than the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Looks like it's pictures flashing. And wonder how I don't know if you my Wi-Fi.
Okay, collagens again. Uh, this study, like I told you guys before, it came from, uh, I actually found where it was at. I found it online. It's from the Gospel Coalition. So obviously I changed it. There was some stuff in there I didn't understand, so I didn't want to speak on it because I have no understanding of it. There was things in there that I didn't agree with, so I didn't leave that in there. So it's changed a little bit. But if you guys want to go through it yourselves and you have time, it's on the Gospel Coalition website. And it's, the, it's called Knowing the Bible, Colossians and Philemon. So last time we went through verses 1 through 8. This time we're going to go through verses 9 to uh, 14. So let's just read it real quick. I'm going to go through all of it again so we can get a grasp of where we're at and what we're going to be learning. So Colossians 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossus, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. <clears throat> of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, and it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Now this is where we're going to dig in, verses 9 to 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So real, real quick overview, because he, um, he heard from Epaphras of their faith in Christ and their love for one another, as we've seen in Colossians uh, verses three to eight. Paul reports how he and Timothy have begun to intercede for the Colossians faithfulness. Right? He prays that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. We've seen that in verse 10, where it says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So this means that, that they should attain to that goal. Their grasp is to grasp the knowledge of God's will, which is consisting in wisdom from the Spirit himself. And that's what we've seen in verse 9 where it says, you know, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the basic to this knowledge of God is a firm understanding of the person of Christ in his preeminence, right? He's going to go dig into that a little bit deeper, Paul will, in verses 15 to 20 in the next section that we'll be learning about. But. We're not really there yet, so we're going to leave that for a later time. That's the hymn. But preeminence, I'll, I'll define it real quick. 
preeminence is the quality of being first, foremost, right? Or of like the highest significance. So in the Bible, that quality is always attributed supremely to Christ, and that's it. So Colossians 1.18 is where we'll see it when we get there. It, it says, uh, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So that's where we're going to see it when we start digging in there. So the big picture of these verses is just Paul reports the content of the prayer that he and Timothy are offering on behalf of the Colossians so that they might become fully pleasing to the Lord in every which way. So in verse 9, when, when Epaphras brought them the news of the success of the gospel at Colossus, Paul and Timothy began this, a, a regular ministry of intercession for this new Christian community. They just started praying, you know. So I'm going to ask you guys a question so we can get going on this. How is your prayer life right now? Do you take time to intercede and regularly pray for others? That's a question I'm asking you guys, if anybody wants to answer. If not, I'll tell you my answer. Raya says, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think that you said the key, you said a, a word that's hard, you know, inter, intercede, you said, right? Intercession? Yeah. How's the intercession? Yeah. Like, so, how's your prayer yeah. life in general? And then are you taking time to intercede regularly for other followers for like the church? Maybe you should define what intercede means. So intercede means do you to, mean, do you go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, no, I was going to say, do you mean, do you mean it as an individual, like addressing an individual need, individual circumstance uh, of a person? Yeah. So interceding would be like if I came to you and asked prayer for me, you know, or, or if I were to just be sitting at home and I decided, hey, today I'm going to pray for the pastors. Today I'm going to pray for the or something like that. Or if I find out that you guys have a need, am I bringing that to the Lord regularly that we get some kind of answer? So that would be to intercede, to pray for somebody else's needs. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think I don't do it. I don't, I don't do it enough. Um, I I, uh, I think I should do it more. Um, but yeah, I regularly do it. I just don't think I do it enough. I think one of the I think one of the problems that I have personally, is that I'm not disciplined enough in writing the exact, you know, for example, if I look at you guys right now, and then, and then writing, writing down what, you know, how to pray for you, because then I forget, you know, to, you know, to come tomorrow, I'll forget, you know, specifics. So if I'm not writing them down, I need to jot things down. So that's probably one of my things. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's actually that. So that would be like a little obstacle you could have that you need to get over which was going to be one of the other. Anybody else want to chime in? Sarai said, yes, I do. Can you guys hear me? Yep. I can. Okay. Um, yeah, the answer is I do too, or yes, but it's also very, like, I would say, like, inconsistent in the matter of, like, if it, it's not a set time so if something pops in my head of like a certain person or like i'm scrolling through like 
social media and I see like a post regarding like um, prayer and, and, and intercession, like at that very moment, like I'll intercede and I'll pray and then like I'll move along with my day. So I feel like, like, yes, I do pray, but then I don't think there's like a set time that I'm like, I'm devoting this time specifically for people or like specifically for prayer. And then when I do my devotional, like I do a prayer specifically to my devotional. So in a way, like yes and no. And that's actually a good thing because that's happened to me a lot too, where I'll be like out and about somewhere and someone will will ask me to pray for a certain situation and I'll be like, yeah. And then I totally forget. So sometimes it's better to just see it and stop what you're doing and just pray. You know, you got it, you bring it to the Lord and then like move on, you know, and like Hummer said, sometimes we forget. So maybe write it down, maybe set a little time for later or something so we can remind ourselves. So that's awesome. I do the same thing. Like if I see a post or something, I'll try, I'll pray right then and there. Somebody sends me a text, Hey, I need prayer for this. So-and-so this happened. You know, I just stop what I'm doing and I take at least five minutes out real quick and I'll try to remind myself throughout the day and continue to do it. So that's another question. Like how might Paul's prayer provide a pattern for our prayers? Like what can we do to kind of overcome some of these obstacles? If You guys can think of anything. I thought about maybe like starting a prayer request page or something on Facebook or just sending out text every once in a while to all you guys to see how you guys are doing or if you need any kind of prayer was one of my thoughts that might help me to just pray more for you guys because prayer is something so powerful and so needed, you know, and I get to spend time with my God, my Lord, just at his feet praying for others. Like that's a beautiful thing. And I definitely need to increase in that. I do it, but I think I still need to increase. You guys have any suggestions for how we can do that more? How to intercede more? Yeah, how do we maybe set up something where we can, you know, pray for each other more or if there's an obstacle that you're kind of dealing with, maybe one of us is dealing with it too, but don't want to say nothing. You know, how would you maybe go about overcoming that obstacle so we can pray more and intercede for others? On Mondays for women's um, for women's discipleship, we what we usually do at the end of it is we ask each other like what like our prayer requests, and then I write them down and I send them out to everyone the next day, and then that's how we know what to be praying for like the next two weeks until we meet again. And that's been pretty helpful. And it also um, makes, helps us to be more intentional to be thinking about other people's well-being and not just our own. Um, that's just what we do. And it's been pretty, it's been really good. And it's helped my prayer life a lot. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a really good idea, actually. Because I know if I got a text every like day, just like a quick reminder, hey, don't forget to pray for so-and-so over this. I would stop what I'm doing, like I said, right then and there and just do it. Because I know if I wait till later, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to forget. So I usually just stop what I'm doing and pray as soon as I get one of those texts. So that's a really good idea. Anybody else got any ideas or obstacles that you might be able to overcome that we might be able to implement to or help us out? I think I think something that, that, um, that I heard um, 
I first I, I, for, I, I forgot I think it was Pastor Robinson who who said it a couple times, and um, I mean other people say this too, but I, I think we need to I need to we need to learn how to whisper prayers about people at times. He's told me this before a lot. He's told me um, you know a lot of times we we, we try to make prayer um, like a service, so we try to make prayer like uh, some sort of um, um, you know, I don't know. We, we, we do too much at times. We just need to pray. And uh, we just need, and at times we don't have time, you know, you're driving, you're, you're, in, your, you're in the attic at, at work, you know, um, wherever you're at, you know, in, the, in the bottom of a house, you know, and you just, you know, you think of somebody and you just whisper a prayer to the Lord for that person. And I believe that's just as effective as being on your knees in the, in the sanctuary or wherever, you know, it's the heart. It, it's, it's just, it's covering the person with prayer. So I, I think we need to practice that more as we walk, as we, as we, as we go throughout our day, as we drive, whatever we're doing, just maybe in your car, put two or three names a day. Um, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't go all out and put a, you know, a page, a summary of names. You won't, you won't do it, you know, but if we put certain, you know, two or three names throughout the day, you're thinking of, the, or, or in a, in a little card, uh, you'll, 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 something you can see and remember. Uh, that's just an idea. That's pretty good. Yeah, definitely, bro. Because you know, it don't have to be like 10 minutes of just straight prayer. You know, you can just be like, hey, Lord, this is what so-and-so is dealing with right now. I know your hands on their life. You know, let it be your will that's done. Give us understanding of what your will is. Like Paul was saying, give them that knowledge. You know, help us to just bring you the glory. If it's not your will to heal, if it's not your will to do this, then just give us the peace that we need teach us so we can move forward through this you know i know you're with them just something at least real quick you know he's everywhere so he's definitely listening to us all the time he knows and he knows like you said man the heart that's like the biggest thing if you just stop for a minute and that love that you have for your brother and you just lift them up or for your sister and you lift them up dude i think that's the prayer that god takes and he's just like ooh, you know thank you kind of deal so i don't know that's me all right, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. So Paul prays for the Colossians, right? He prays, like we were talking about, that they might grasp that will of God concerning how they are to conduct their lives, right? Paul writes that such knowledge consists of all spiritual wisdom and understanding in verse 9. So in verse 9, I think the spiritual, what it's meaning is, is you know, like the gifts of the spirit. I think it's talking about God's wisdom here. That's the spiritual wisdom that they're talking about like the gospel you know because he's trying to bring to make sure they stay on the gospel and to stay on the truth because there was some crazy stuff coming into the church at Colossian at the time so this wisdom it always comes from god from the spirit right let's look at some verses real quick that'll kind of help us see like a clear answer so exodus 31 verse 3 Exodus 31, verse 3. It says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. So God filled him, filled him with his Spirit, and that gave him that ability, the intelligence, the knowledge, and the craftsmanship that they needed at the time. Exodus uh, 35, verse 31 says, And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship. Deuteronomy 34, verse 9 says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, 
for Moses had laid hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see he was full of the spirit with wisdom. Isaiah 11, 2. Isaiah 11, verse 2 says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So it's the spirit that brings this knowledge and understanding. Right? And I think the goal of, of Paul's prayers was for them to just live fully pleasing to God. We see this in verse 10. So now we'll move into verse 10. Paul was interceding with a specific purpose in view. He prays that the Colossians might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Note that the will of God is not tied to like specific guidance in, in this prayer. You know, it's not for like a certain or uncertain future. He's not like asking them like, who should I marry, Lord? Or where should I go to college or something like that? This prayer is a little different. It's that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? Fully pleasing to him. Yes, you can please the Lord in those things, but that's not his prayer right now. It consists in more of a knowable, concrete, like righteous, ethical conduct for them. That's what he's praying for. So for us, like, are these, are there any areas of our walk, your walk, my walk with God that are inconsistent to what you know to be God's will? a question I want you guys to answer. Are there any areas of your walk with God that are inconsistent with what you, what you know to be God's will? And if so, what do you intend to do about that incompatibility? Or, you know, what are you going to do to change the way that you're living? I'll tell you my answer. My answer was fasting and prayer. So when it comes to fasting and prayer, I'm just not consistent. I'm not doing it. The Lord tells me to fast and I don't really fast. I fast on occasion. And when I do, it's like a half a day. I've never even gone a full day. I don't think I've done it, you know, and I pray and, and, but I still fall like on that area. And also unproductive conversations and jokes at work. Sometimes being around plumbers, they talk a lot of smack. My boss talks a lot of smack. The other dude talks a lot of smack. They're worldly jokes. And every once in a while, I fall back into that trap and I'll say something, you know, it's, just, it's like it left it open and I had to say something stupid. And then sometimes it's my boss that gets me and he's like, I thought you was Christian, you know, and that just hurts, dude. That crushes me. I'm like, oh, like, dang, this man. Like, yeah, I'm like, you're right, dude. I'm, I shouldn't have even said nothing. Like, my bad. Don't listen to me. You guys are bad influences and I'll walk away. But still, I fall into that. So I think that's the areas that I need to work on. So I'm going to pray that the spirit will convict me when those things happen and shut my mouth up before I do say something on the jokes or, you know, anything like that. And maybe to help me fast a little more. So if you guys ever need like some, something serious, you need me to fast for you or fast with you, shoot me a text. That way we can do it together and that'll help me and that'll help you and we can do it together. Anybody else got anything? <coughs> I think that for me, I, I don't struggle with it because I still do it. But like, um, I think humor is like a big thing for me. And so there's some stuff that 
isn't appropriate or like crude and stuff and I find it funny and like I don't make a big I don't really make a big effort to like like if I'm scrolling on like social media I don't make a big effort to like move past it really fast if I think it's funny I'll probably read it like twice and keep laughing and sometimes I might save it in case I want to laugh again another time and that's probably not good Yeah, I've done that too. I'm like, I'll be listening to something. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, skip yeah. this. Dude. Like, what am I yeah. doing? Knucklehead. And then after I save it, I'm like, why? Why are you saving that? Like, you uh, you literally cannot show that to anyone. So why you, you wouldn't show <laughs> yeah. it to someone else? And you probably shouldn't even be saving it. But. Yeah, sometimes yeah, I find things on Instagram and I send them to Bali, and she corrects me when I send them to her. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, don't yeah. send that to. She's like, don't send that to anyone else. And I was like, all right. <laughs> that's good you got like you got the filter right there like, oh, don't send that to the group okay send that one to the group yeah <laughs> that's good man accountability anybody else got anything like maybe in your walk with the lord that you know ain't really his will or too pleasing i know that's a hard one man so i appreciate you guys like speaking up on it you know yeah i think with, i think with me is it's the same thing as you because like i like at work, you're around all these people all day, and they all talk about the same thing. So it's kind of like, what am I? I'm not just. I can't just like do a complete 180 on the conversation and be like, yeah, but did you know Jesus this? And they'll be like, what the heck? I'm like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. We fall, I fall into it, bro. Not as much as I used to. Like I used to joke with them all the time, and it'd be like, you know, some pretty like old school adult jokes. And then I'd be like, what am I doing? Like the spirit used to convict me a big time. And so now I don't do it as much, but I do slip every once in a while. Um, I think for me, like I'm, I'm thinking of two. The first one is like, or okay, one of them is playing cards for money with my brothers. I I feel like that's like the only bonding time I have with them. And so like I use my money, but then I lose my money and, and I'm just like, well, it's okay because I'm bonding with them. But then I feel like there's other ways to do it. And then like, even once like my, my younger brother was like, maybe the Lord doesn't want you to keep playing with us. And like, <laughs> I feel torn because it's like, I've, this is the most I've been able to like hang out with them. So I'm like, it's for a good cause. But then it's like, yet like I'm not giving the money to the Lord and yet I'm willing to give it to like to like gambling in a way so I feel like that yeah yeah like that's where I'm torn you know (laughs) and then the second one is um my work like before this happened like before actually when COVID-19 occurred like they didn't need me at my job like and so that really like humbled me but then it also convicted me because I realized like how much investment I had put in a job that wasn't even like God like God like it was God's will but it wasn't like God's will that I was putting it first before like Bible study or before like Monday discipleship and so I feel like it wasn't his will for me to be a part of like distance learning and so I had to really like humble myself and pray and be connected with like hear the church and like after like I was like surrendering it all like God works like 
amazing in the sense that like now he's allowed me to come back and, and be part of the distant learning. But I feel like if he hadn't done that, like I would be super like in a way like boastful. So the fact that he humbled me and was like, like, we don't need you, Carol. And so I just feel very like, um, like grateful that like his will is always better than ours. And obviously it hurts to be humbled, but it's also like for, for his purpose and for like glorifying his name. So I, so those are the two, one already passed and one still, still in the, in the making, like there's still days that I'm playing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that one's kind of hard. Cause like you said, you are bonding. So that's, that's kind of a good thing. You want to bond with the family and be that representative of Christ. Definitely. So, but the money, I don't know. That's, that's your convictions, I guess, on that one. Maybe you can use fake money. There you go. So I was going to say, maybe just go buy like some poker chips and be like, today we're just playing for chips. I, I know. And that's, I'm trying to move there. Because at first I was like, let's play for a dime. And like, they're like, it's a waste of my time. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to keep them here. Um, but <laughs> I feel like, yeah, we, we're working. Me and many are finding ways. Like one, one day he'll play, one day I'll play. And, and, and then we'll like figure out different um, strategies to do that. Oh, cool. Yeah, sometimes we get shaken up by the Lord, and that's an awesome thing because it just brings us closer to him, too. So that's cool. I know that's happened to me plenty of times, which is a good thing. All right. Anybody else? If not, we'll move on. All right. Let's push on then. Attainment of the goal. So <clears throat> we see four ways to a life that's fully pleasing to God in verses 10 to 12. So let's take a look at those real quick. In Colossians 10 to 12, Paul explains uh, a little, he gets a little more precise of what's involved in this, in this living a life that's fully pleasing to God. Let's read it though real quick. Colossians 1, 10 to 12. It says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So the first way is to just live a life that's bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work that you do, right? The new Testament is very clear that while we're not saved by our good works, you know, we are saved for good works. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, most of you guys probably have it memorized, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You know, in Titus 2, 14, we see that it says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You know, Titus 3, 5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, no, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So take a moment and reflect on that. During the course of your life as a Christian, have you seen growth, you know, as in the life of a fruit tree? Take that example 
you know, are, are you bearing fruit in good works? I guess the good works and the fruit of the spirit. tell you guys for me i was like yes the answer was yes definitely peace patience and self-control were like the three biggest things that i've seen growth in my life like uh those are probably areas that the lord had to work on the most because i used to just have attitude man like road rage i didn't have no patience uh self-control out the window i just did whatever didn't care you know, there wasn't really no peace at all in my life until I met the Lord. And then there was peace. And then little by little, we worked on that patience, which that one was a very hard journey. It sucks when your patience gets tested constantly. <laughs> and you know, you ask the Lord to help you with patience. So you got to like, just bear it, grit your teeth and kind of push through it. <clears throat> Anybody else want to chime in? You guys seen any fruit bearing in your life? Any fruits of the spirit? So like fruits of the spirit, Galatians, you know, uh, joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, any of those? I, I think that I, I, um, I, I think I've seen it more, I, I think I've seen it more um, corporate growth uh, that I'm happy about, like I'm speaking to you guys, all of you guys. I could probably testify uh, for the for the people on for sure the people that gather uh, with us. Um, I've seen a corporate growth, which I'm happy about. Um, uh, so, so I'm really happy. I'm actually, um, you know, be careful how I word, word phrases, but <laughs> I, I I give I do give thanks when when horrible things happen and people seek God. I really do. I I, I so I'm gonna be careful how I phrase it because I'm being recorded, but. I do because sometimes we need to get shaken up in order to see and value what we have. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell you how I, when I pray for people, you know, I pray if they don't know the Lord, I pray that the Lord will do whatever he has to do that they be saved. So, cause I care. That's, that's what I, I want people to be saved. Um, not just live a prosperous life. And, and I, I want people to know the Lord. And so I, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for uh, when I see you guys, so I see a lot of fruit bearing. I see a lot of pe people who are who are more hungry, people who are growing, people who in different in growth in different areas. So I'm really happy about. That. I don't, you know, that's that brings joy to my life. Um, so um, yeah, so I, I've seen a whole a, a corporate growth, which I'm happy about because that impacts society, that impacts families, that impacts workplaces, that impacts the kingdom of God. It's much more than just the four walls, you know. So that's why the corporate growth is good. Definitely. Anybody else? If not, we'll move into the second one. All right. So Paul writes that the second way of living a life that's worthy of God is to live increasing in the knowledge of God. Right. That phrase knowledge of God comes from the Old Testament. Hosea 4.1, it says, hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. That was Hosea 4.1. Hosea 6.6 6 says, 
For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Right? So it doesn't merely pertain to just like that head knowledge about God. Right? It also resonates with these tones of, of like a covenantal relationship and that loyalty that God is, expects from us really does. Right. So take that, reflect on your life for a minute and ask yourself, are you growing in the knowledge of God? in that type of sense, like in, in the sense of your commitment to God. Are you, you know, I'm pretty sure most of you guys are, you wouldn't even be here on a Wednesday. I'm sure most of you guys could answer yes to that. So that one just, you know, reflect on it. I know the time's getting late, so I don't want to stick too much, but if anybody wants to chime in real quick, I think for me, it's just reading the, the Bible slower. Like before I used to read it like super fast. And then if something stood out, I would like be like, yep, that's what the Lord wants me to like understand because that's what stood out. But I like, it only stood out because it sounded like different than what I was reading. And now like I'm committed to like reading it super slow, even like reading the notes or even reading it twice and just trying to understand like how it connects to like, even to the to today and that has allowed me to be like committed to like growing amen that's what's up yeah for me sometimes you know it feels like i get stuck definitely or maybe i just get scared sometimes to move further in and kind of grow more in my commitments to the lord that might be something that's hindering me. I haven't fully figured that out yet. If it is, I definitely need to work on that. But I think maybe I am scared sometimes. More commitment, more responsibility. Maybe it's the failure, more chance to fail. I don't know. That's for me. Sometimes I feel stuck in that area of my commitment to the Lord. Like teaching. This is, I've gone to many other churches and they always tend to stick me to want to teach. <laughs> like the youth or somebody for some reason and I never thought I'm like no I'm not a teacher dude like no no and I would run from churches and like this time I finally just said all right Lord if, if that's where you need me then you, you better help me out because I don't know what I'm doing I'm scared I don't want to do it and so I'm going to be fighting you on this one but here we are so all for his glory praise him all right let's move on Colossians 1.11, Paul spells out the third aspect of living a life that's fully pleasing to God. He says, having been strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So Christians are to live a life of endurance and patience. Endurance pertains to the ability to remain faithful to God, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And patience is the capacity to just tolerate like delays or problems including and not limited to dealing with people who might irritate us or who might be a little bit more difficult for us to deal with. Reflecting on that, you know, like think about where, where the strengths come from for that endurance and patience. You know, the strength, obviously, it's coming from God and the knowledge of God is what we're seeing in the text. So just think for a moment how you might be able to apply that to your life. You know, that endurance, that patience that the Lord gives you. 
to just tolerate or to deal with or to keep pushing forward into whatever it is that he's calling you to do, you know, and then try to make that a habit, try to make it part of your daily routine. In Colossians 1.12, Paul explains this, the final element, right, of a life that's fully pleasing to God. He says that basically he's saying Christians are characterized by thankfulness. We're supposed to be thankful people. That is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be grateful and thankful. Colossians 1.3 tells us that we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Colossians 2.7 says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught according, abounding in thanksgiving. Colossians 3 verses 15 and 17, verse 15 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Colossians 3:17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, and with thanksgiving. So all through Colossians, we're going to see this thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. We're supposed to be thankful. And gratitude before God is like forever fitting. Like, because of all that God has done for his people in Christ, like gratitude protects our hearts from complaining and grumbling, I believe. You know, these are symptoms of like dissatisfaction with God when we start grumbling and complaining sometimes. So I think if, if we try to maintain more of a grateful, thankful attitude, there'll be less of the grumbling. You know, like Philippians 2.14 tells us, do all things without grumbling or disputing, right? So a question for you guys, where are you in the life of thankfulness? And what steps might you take to grow in your gratitude? Where are you guys right now, you think, in your life of thankfulness to the Lord? Are you guys like super grateful, kind of grateful? think about it too much i think um i saw bendy's mic off so i was like wait (laughs) (laughs) um i think in this specific moment like we're in that like time of like well me personally of being like extremely thankful for what i do have because of like of our circumstances so it's like we had well me like I had all of this I had a job I had like a lot of things to do and then out of like from one day to another it was like I have nothing to do like and now I'm like stuck at home so I'm like well like look at the bright side you you're healthy like (laughs) you're not sick I'm like you have I have a house well like a home to live in I have food I'm not like I don't have to be like waiting in lines for like food to like for handouts you know like thank god and thank god like yeah so super grateful amen yeah i was gonna say something along those lines too because <laughs> i still have my job and like sometimes that like i mean i still complain about it sometimes because you know sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people suck there but like uh at the end of the day like i do have a job even though they're cutting our hours and stuff like or whatever like we're working there are people who like rely on a job like they live check to check so like and and if they don't have a job right now then why like why should i be complaining about having one enough so like i'm really i have been i've been super grateful for what i've had like 
from before, but like now, now just a little of a little bit more. Cool, cool. Anybody else? I feel the same way. Yeah, amen. Yeah, for me, thankfulness. I mean, even like when I first came to the Lord, and like even before I kind of knew Him, I always, I was always that type of person. Like people don't ever pray to God, like, and if He is real, like they only come to Him when something happens in their life, or when someone's dying, and then that's when they're coming to Him, or when everything's like you're at the bottom of the bottom of the barrel and there's no other thing to do but to pray. Like that's when most people pray, whether they believe in God or not, you know? So I always told myself, you know, if I ever do, then at least I'll just try to come with thankfulness, Lord. I won't be like, I won't only come to you with my issues. I'm going to come to you being grateful and thankful every day. And it helps. Like, so I, I think I drilled that into myself, you know, to where I do. I try most of the time my prayers just thank you real quick and then that's how I start my day like hey thanks for this day you know thanks for waking me up again you know guide me lead me teach me show me your ways you know it's all for your glory so let me have a good day and let's get it kind of deal you know you lead I follow that's what it's all about so I think I drilled it into my head to where it's just a natural kind of thing but I don't think like I'm grateful because it became like a habit so sometimes I think it's not that I'm being truly grateful. So one of the things that I want to do to kind of help me grow in that gratefulness, I was thinking like when I get my house and, and me and Yvonne and Christella and, and Anthony and we're all together, I want to take like every day and just write down something we're grateful for each one of us, throw it in a jar, maybe after like six months or a year or maybe every six months, just pull out the jar and just sit down as a family and like read it you know, and just be grateful to the Lord for all those grateful things that we were grateful for throughout the year. I think that might help. So I might just thought about doing maybe. I don't remember where I seen it. I think I seen it in the movie. But I thought it was a good idea. Anybody else? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, let's keep pushing that. Reasons to live a life fully pleasing to God. Right, so in verses 12 to 14, Paul lists reasons why the Colossians should be marked by lives of thankfulness to the Father. So let's read the text again real quick. Verses 12 to 14, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So the reasons Paul gives for why their lives ought to be marked by ceaseless gratitude, right, is all these things that we see here, is that, you know, we're, we're no longer in the darkness. We're now in the light. We have redemption. We have forgiveness of sins. We've been transferred to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're part of his kingdom now. We're his children, you know? So these are all things that we should be definitely grateful for and thankful for in our lives. Let's look at... Um, there's some glimpses of the gospel, definitely. We see all we see it through the through what we've been reading, right? We see deliverance. We see deliverance as being the center of the gospel of, of God who reached down to rescue humanity that was enslaved to that satanic dominion of darkness that took over the world from the beginning. You know, at the cross of Christ, the Father delivered us from his this domain and he transferred us into his kingdom, into the kingdom of his son, right? 
That was verse 13. We also see the forgiveness of sins there. We see, you know, we see that throughout Colossians. Paul explains that, that we were once, we were alienated. We were hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. We'll see that in verse 21, Colossians 1, 21. You know, and as estranged, hostile enemies of God, our treason, basically against the creator, was definitely deserving of eternal condemnation. Like it really was. But God reconciled us to himself through Christ, which is awesome. You know, making peace with us by his death on the cross. You know, Colossians 1, 20 and 22. You know, and then um, for everybody who will embrace that message, the gospel message, God offers forgiveness of sins. Past, present, future, he offers that forgiveness if we will just embrace the gospel message. Um, some of the connections we can see in these verses through the Bible. We see like this ultimate exodus. Uh, several words and phrases through verses 12 to 14 echo language that was used in the Old Testament of God's deliverance of the Hebrews from Pharaoh and Egypt. Now, if you guys want to take time one day and read Exodus chapters 1 to 15, you'll see, you know, that exodus from Egypt. Um, the language, though, of redemption and deliverance from the domain of darkness, being transferred, the kingdom of his beloved son, all these are, are echoes of the Old Testament that you, you can see in, in uh, Exodus chapters 1 to 15, if you guys want to read it. We don't got time. It's a lot. So we'll keep pushing. But um, <clears throat> the Exodus stands as a, as a foundational deliverance of the Old Testament, right? But in Christ... God has delivered his people in an ultimate exodus of redemption. You know, he didn't just rescue us from physical and earthly superpowers, but he rescued us from satanic empires, from spiritual darkness, from death, right? So we see kind of that exodus. That's kind of a picture that we're getting through these verses. We also see the, the, the Messiah, the king, you know, the phrase, the kingdom of his beloved son in verse 13. You know, that echoes the language, again, of the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 16, where God promised, you know, King David that the lineage of his sons would rule over the kingdom of Israel forever. And God placed David's son Solomon, uh, whose alternate name thus became Jedidiah, which means beloved of God. We can read it real quick. 2 Samuel 12, 2 Samuel 12, verses 24 to 25. It says, then David, had, David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her. And she bore a son and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Jedidiah is beloved of God. So according to Colossians 1.13, Jesus Christ is David's ultimate son as the beloved. God has chosen him to reign over the kingdom of God upon the earth forever and ultimate fulfillment of that promise that he made to David. <clears throat> Some of the, the theological things that we see is prayer, growth, right? Paul prayed regularly for the Colossian Christians. He asked God for their spiritual growth. He clearly presupposed that God would hear these prayers and bring about some kind of growth since this was in accord with God's will. Right? God wants us to grow in his knowledge, wants us to grow in the fear of the Lord, wants us to grow in wisdom. 
you know, um, also in John 15, 7 through 8, we see it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. That was John 15, 7 to 8. So in this mysterious wisdom of his providence, right, God has, has basically ordained that intercessory prayer by a means of growth and grace for the disciples of Christ. We shouldn't neglect this powerful tool that we have, you know, as we seek just the spiritual health and growth of the church, of our brothers, our sisters, you know, of the body of Christ. We also see the Trinity and we see salvation. Some more theological things we see in these verses 9 to 14. <clears throat> There's a presence of, of, of each of the three persons of the Trinity. It's not super clear, just a little presence. Uh, but we catch a glimpse of their work in regard to the plan of salvation, right? In verses 9 to 14. So the Father delivers us from the domain of darkness, transfers us into the kingdom of his Son. And then the son is the person in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And for 14, the spirit, you know, which is only faintly detected in the passage is nevertheless present as the source of all true wisdom. We know the spirit brings wisdom, right? Wisdom and understanding, growth in the knowledge of the will of God. That's what we get when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. You know, Jesus said, he will teach you all things concerning me. So this is seen in, in Colossians 1.9, where spiritual means of the spirit. So just through all that study, man, I hope you guys will reflect. Uh, the time's kind of up, so we're going to leave it there. We'll dig into verses 15 to 23 uh, the next time. But just reflect on all those things and see if there's anything that we went over today that just might lead you to praise God more or you know, if there's anything that you see in your life that may not be glorifying to him, you know, pray on it, repent of it, you know, trust in his gracious promises and just keep leaning into Christ, you know, and, and keep growing. And again, if you guys want to do the study on your own, it's going to be a little bit different because <laughs> like I said, I took out a lot of things. There's some things I didn't really fully understand or agree with. So I changed them. I changed some wording, but it's on the Gospel Coalition. Coalition. It's a course. It's called Knowing the Bible, Colossians and Philemon. So if you guys ever want to just go over there and dig into it, really good study. So help me grow a lot.